are here with yet another episode of the one and only one and only because it is the one and only betty rock you gotta understand the temperature <laughs> where we about to go right now yeah uh, another episode of the unselfish behavior podcast i am your host king q uh we are here we are here we are here with yet another wonderful wonderful guest who's representing the city who's representing the caribbean islands you know who's representing culture you know through 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 a lot of different forms which we're gonna jump into but we are honored uh we are very very grateful and honored to to present the one and only you know in the building right now she goes by the name of betty rocks in the building yeah thank you for having me such a pleasure to have you thank you such a pleasure to have you now um when we jump into these conversations because uh, like i told you on the phone well, Unselfish Behavior Podcast, it's a it's it's less of an interview, more of a conversation for right. the people. And we're looking to draw inspiration from your story, uh, through through adversity, through your process, through patience, through through just a multitude of different things, obviously we'll jump into. But okay. before we jump into anything specific, I always like to allow the floor to be open for people who may not know who you are. Okay. Uh, to just let them know who you are, what you do, and a little bit about what you stand for. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do I need to be looking anywhere specific? No, you're good. Okay. You're, good. you're at home right now. <laughs> All right. Well, my name is Betty Rocks. I um, am originally from Belize. Yep. And I do have family members from Jamaica as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I My original name is actually Vanya Rena. Mm-hmm. And in Belize, Rena um, has some... some um, background of entertainment Mm -hmm. uh that last name comes from several different aspects of entertainment we have musicians we have dancers we have a couple different people that comes from the last name Mm -hmm. so um the only reason i go by betty rocks is because i worked a regular job uh, in the medical field where i just didn't want to people to know that i was also a dancer i wanted people to respect me for that and for you know, not like, oh, we, we seen her the other day on TV. Got you, got you, got you. That makes sense. You mentioned, you know, you, you part Belizean and Jamaican. Right. What, what's that? What's that? What's that? You know what I'm saying? Like, like how has two, two powerful cultures, right? Just right. two culturally sound places, right. you know, have, have such a, a history with both of those places. How have where you're from contributed to who you are today? Um. Well... I just think that there's so much um, that our culture pretty much provides from the time that we're born. Mm. Uh, we're born into music. Mm. We're born into f- rich foods. Mm. Um, we're born into uh, um, very, I have to say, um, unique culture. Mm. And um, if you don't live in the United States and you're living, you know, uh, living there, it's just a total different atmosphere. So growing up in the Caribbean and um, growing up in Belize and just kind of being there compared to being here, Mm -hmm. um, it changes who you are. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, I'd have to say I'm a lot more humble because of where I'm from. Love it. Um, I, I tend to think that because I look at things in a different way. Mm-hmm. I appreciate things differently. I uh, treat people differently um, based on the fact that we have uh, respect. Mm-hmm. As and we're taught to respect everyone, you know, gotcha. growing up, um, you have to walk into someone's house and say good afternoon, love good it. morning, love it, whatever, wherever time of day mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> I love it. So, These like, kids nowadays need need some of that juice. They they yeah. need some of that, you know, respect juice. That, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it was mandatory. Yeah, and um, even in school or depending on how old you are, mm-hmm. 
the your parents give them permission to to scold you and do whatever they need to do to make sure that you're paying attention in school and so we're just brought up a different way um so Mm -hmm. our level of the way that we look at things the way that we approach life it's just a little bit different i don't want to say totally different because i'm sure that people are the same in the united states but oh for sure yeah you you know the deal out here you know folks out here i feel like in in the u.s we are so we have such an entitled uh and spoiled mentality as a people out here i do agree right and we have no idea as a people what other cultures have to go through like something even as simple as allowing your teacher to, to whoop your ass. That's what scolding means. Scolding <laughs> yeah. means whoop, get your, getting your ass whooped. <laughs> Pretty you know, much. <laughs> getting your ass whooped in front of your, in front of your classmates. Yep. You know, and, and, and that being okay mm-hmm. because they understand the reasoning behind it is right. to incorporate discipline for kill, for children yeah. at a young age, right? Now, I don't want to speak for the new generation, right, but, wh- but that when you was grew definitely up. going Got on <laughs> when I was growing up and when my mom's growing up and my grandmother. Yeah. What do you, I mean, how do you feel about that, though? How do you, how do you feel about... Uh, let's say something like that was implemented in the U.S. How, how would you feel like feel, feel about that? Um, well, because we have a lot of um, child abuse laws here, yeah. I don't think that would happen here at yeah. all. Um, yeah. I, but yeah. and if it did happen, um, it may be looked at as people abusing their power. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about another another man or woman. You know what I'm saying? Whooping my daughter. That's yeah, cool. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think it. Now that I'm older, obviously, yeah. you know, you think differently yeah. about it. But my mom has shared stories about her mom giving her permission, her mm. teacher's permission, and mm-hmm. and it just is a way of discipline. It's the way that they did things there, and mm-hmm. I think my mom turned out pretty good. There you go. That, <laughs> hey, that's another thing, like. And the culture, when you raised with it, you look at people that's a product of it and be like, well, shit, they turned out pretty, pretty fine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it so works yeah, for there's, them. <laughs> there's pros and cons to something like that. But I definitely feel like we in such a sensitive age. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We are in an extremely sensitive age to where we have to, at times, watch what we say. Right. Let alone whipping the shit out of somebody's kid. Oh, yeah, you know what definitely. I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, with, with me having influence, I oftentimes have to just be mindful mm-hmm. of the things that I'm putting out because people are receiving what we put out as influencers. Right. Right. And whether we, whether, whether we're influencing people on a thousands scale, whether we're doing it on a, on a, on a hundreds scale or a million scale, you have people who are looking to you. So there's a certain sense of responsibility that comes with having a platform of any kind. Right. With that being said, I want to talk a little bit about your platform right. and, and how you use your platform to influence positivity um, in the city and obviously abroad as well. Mm-hmm. Talk to the people a little bit about what it is that you do and how you use your influence to kind of, you know, pump positivity into the world. Uh, well, I'm a dancer. There we go. Uh, I am also a choreographer. Nice. I do uh, a dibble in casting mm-hmm. and um, I'm a dance instructor. Mm. And I feel like the instructor part of my career mm. is where I've seen the most influence. Love it. And when I say that is um, I have plenty of students from different walks of life that take my classes mm-hmm. and they would say to you know to me sometimes like hey you know what I just wanted you to know I was having a really bad week mm. I came to your class and you uplift my spirit mm. and um, I just feel like you got me through a funk gotcha. and um, things like that would just you know kind of throw me off because mm-hmm. you don't realize how much what you're doing in your art and your talent and is influencing yeah um, or even just giving someone something to look forward to yeah. 
That's real. So, um, I feel like between that teaching classes and everything and then me just being a mentor to certain people mm. in the industry mm-hmm. um, is where I feel like the positivity of what I do comes to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being being a woman from the Caribbean islands, from Belize, are you you're originally from Belize? I'm originally right? from Belize. I gotcha. am a Belizean woman. A Belizean woman. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I have a uh, great grandfather. Awesome. That is from Jamaica. Okay. Or so we've been told. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so um, you know, I I really really represent my Belizean Love culture. Yeah. Um, of course, I let people know that I have that part that Jamaican side too. Yeah. But, um, Belize is where my mom and dad is from. That's home. Yeah, that's yeah. home. Yeah, that's the roots right there. Mm-hmm. There you go. I love it. So uh, for me, anybody who knows me knows that I'm I'm passionate about the influence of the youth, mm-hmm. right? Because they're they're looking to us right. to give them permission to be different. Yes. They're looking to us to give them permission to do what you love and right. to still be successful with doing what you love because you know a lot of times we don't grow up in communities especially you know just being honest and open transparent black and brown kids we don't usually grow up in environments to where we're encouraged to do what we love right so we have to usually find that out later on down the line that's true i'm, I'm always curious to know you know when i'm speaking to my influencer friends how do you view your your responsibility and your role for the youth Right. And, and little Caribbean girls and boys that's looking to you that like, that's like, yo, she came from where I came from. Right. And she's showing me, wow, that's possible. I can do that. Yeah. Like, what's that like for you just to be in a position like that to where you have young Caribbean boys and girls looking to you? Um, it's a very interesting topic, honestly, mm-hmm. because. Being living in the Caribbean mm-hmm. and wanting to pursue something on a level of a professional dancer, mm-hmm. meaning you're dancing for recording artists, you're touring, you're you know doing commercials, television, um, film. Um, I think that where we come from, there's not that many opportunities for for our culture, mm-hmm. and um, if there is it's that someone flew down to the country to shoot a music video or someone flew down to shoot a film and they may hire the locals. It's not somebody that's touchable, tangible in the community. Yeah. No, there's talented people. There's amazing actors, entertainers coming from the Caribbean for sure. Okay. But the, the, how can I say, it's not as accessible to our cultural and our children that are growing up and wanting to do this, it's not mm-hmm. as accessible for them as it is for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can go into an audition with whatever celebrity I choose to audition for. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have that opportunity. Got you. Um, unless, like I said, someone flies in yeah. and gives them the opportunity, opens that door. And sometimes they fly in with their own talent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they hire the local talent. Got so you. it just depends. And... For me, I think um, what I try to, as an influence to the to the people and the, the teenagers and the kids that are coming up, um, I try to kind of let them know that they have to be the ones to create their opportunities. There we go. Because unfortunately, it doesn't happen the same for them as it happens for me. Got you. Got you. What's the key to kind of trusting your journey. I think a lot of times too, when people are drawn towards a certain field or a certain arena, they don't understand that there's a certain level um, of 
persistence, right. a, a certain level of consistency, a certain yeah. level of work. Mm-hmm. I think we live in a generation where everybody, Betty rocks, everybody wants everything tomorrow yes. without realizing that work needs to be put into something in mm-hmm. order for it to grow, in order for it to be sustainable, right. in order for it to be a strong, solid foundation. Mm-hmm. Talk to the people a little bit about out there that's kind of struggling or trying to, better yet, talk to the people that are trying to run away from the work aspect mm-hmm. of the journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm just speaking real because <laughs> I know it's a lot of people out there that be in denial. Right. And they say they have a certain work ethic. They right. say that they want a certain thing, but mm-hmm. you'll you'll do something. They'll start a project for the for the first month. They'll have such a high expectation, and when they don't see a result, they just stop. Yeah. But it's like, no, this takes time. Betty Rocks wasn't just Betty Rocks. Oh no. Straight out of bed, like she's <laughs> put work in. Oh yeah. And continuously, you're putting now putting work in. Yes. On herself, on her craft. Talk about talk a little bit about the importance of hard work. And, and and making sure that you stay consistent and you don't give up mm-hmm. when you're when you're pouring into your craft and what you love. I think the first thing mm-hmm. is what you just said. Mm-hmm. You have to love something. There we go. You can't do it because someone else is doing it and they became or the money popular from it or yeah. that person's making a certain level of money. So you want to make that money yeah. and you feel like, hey, they that's my friend. They can do it. So can I. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't be that it has to be that you actually really and truly love and have a passion for what it is that you want to pursue Mm. and sometimes people just have to check themselves right they gotta really check if this is what they're doing and why they're doing it yeah and if it's because they're passionate about it because everyone will tell you all entertainment all artists it's not an easy road and Mm -hmm. if you're not willing to be consistent Stand those weary times when you may or may not get an audition or a gig or whatever you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't stand that and like if you can't withstand that moment and like actually see yourself pushing through, mm-hmm. then this is not for you. Got you. At the end of the day, that's why they call everyone starving artists. Like, yeah. we're not in it for the money. We're yeah. in it because we love to do yeah. it. And at the end of the day, if we get rich from it, great. Right. <laughs> you but know that's what I mean? not what we're, what, we're not doing it to reach, to, yeah. to try to grab a, a certain level of richness or yeah. success in that way. We are, of course, everyone wants to get to the we top level. Get, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that at the end of the day, it's unrealistic to say that you don't want to shoot that's to the right. top. But however, it does take steps and it takes baby steps onto steps into steps into steps until you get there. Now, where people are seeing it wrong is that social media makes it look like it's an overnight thing. There we go. And I think that's where people start to feel like, oh, this person was just my neighbor and now they're (laughs) like got a million thousand views, they're doing this and that. But that's not your journey, that's Mm. their journey. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have to differentiate our journeys mm-hmm. from what we're doing and what someone else is doing. There we go. Because at the end of the day, that's where God is leading them. There and that's go. why that was an overnight for them. Mm-hmm. For you, you may need to take a little rocky road. But and everything that looks successful may not be what you portray. That's why I tell people all the time. And there's not longevity in that either. That's real. Yeah. That, who, want, who really, like when you really think about, like, 
who wants something that they didn't have to put a lot of work in for? I don't want nothing that could come. You don't appreciate it. You don't appreciate it. You're not going to sustain it. You're not going to value it. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, that comparison is really toxic for the generation we live in. Yeah. Looking at people on social media that may be around the same age range or you or like you said, come from the same community as you. And we look at that like, yo, they doing it. And I I suck. I'm not making no money from what I'm doing. Let me stop doing this because I'm I'm not doing doing it. Maybe it's not for me. So it's like, I always tell people, man, the age of social media, it's a gift and a curse because it is a very powerful tool, as we know, Betty Rocks. But at the same time, it could be very toxic and very draining when we use it to compare. Right. When we use it to base our success off of what someone else is doing when we live in an age to where people shine a light on their success while shoving their failures in the closet yeah who's really out here talking about their struggles oh yeah most definitely nobody talking about their struggles on social media everybody's gonna show you when they've won or everyone's gonna show you when it's booming (laughs) but for me i take such a responsibility like the other day I went on a little rant on my story. <laughs> I'm for real, for real, not for the thrill. No Netflix and chill, if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> so what I'm saying is this. Betty Rocks, I went on a little rant the other day on my on my story, just on some like mental health stuff. I'm mm. like, yo, I'm dealing with a lot, I'm dealing with depression right now. Okay. And a lot of times I feel like me as an influencer and me being a strong man, people look at me like I don't have issues. Yeah. People look at me like you're always giving advice. Mm-hmm. I don't they don't even think that I would probably need advice sometime. Yeah. There's and, a certain you know, level of perfectionist that they there expect there from you because you're in the limelight. Yeah. And they think that you don't have flaws, that yeah. you don't have days when you doubt yourself. Yeah. Um, so I do get what you mean by that. Yeah. Um, it has to, people have to understand that everyone that you see in the successful position that you admire, yeah. they're also human. There we go. So at the end of the day, there's nothing that you're personally going through that they can't or haven't already been through. That's real. So, or, or people will try to hold you to the standard of what they want you to be mm-hmm. all the time. Yep. So it's like if you're the yep. positive guy, you can't say, you can't curse. Yeah, or you can't you, be negative. You, you can't be negative. You can't have a bad day. You yeah. can't, motherfucker. If I'm having a, excuse my language, Betty rocks, but I got to be me. But if I got to turn up, I got to turn up. Like, that's also a part of me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's yin and yang, not just yin, if you know what I mean. So for me, it's like, stop judging people. We have to get out of the idea of judging people based on what we want them to be and allowing people to be who they're comfortable being. Yes, exactly. Right? So for me, that's super, super important. And, and especially somebody who has a faith, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I have a faith in God. I mm-hmm. believe in God wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And so people will hold me to the standard of how do you believe in God? How do you use God's name? But you use profanity or you do this. Oh, so now we hypocrites. So now what y'all telling me is you don't. You're, you're completely perfect. Yeah. The difference part. between me and you is that I'm willing to be transparent enough to show it to the world. Mm-hmm. You keep yours behind closed doors yeah. and you judge people behind closed doors. Yeah. You curse behind closed doors. You go to the club on the weekends. Yeah. You, you, you hide you're in. You're trying to, to be something that you're not. Real. And then when real. someone is real, yeah. then you judge them. You judge them. Yeah. It's like, hold on. You ain't supposed to do that. Says who? Yeah. So how important is it for you to to create a lane to where Betty Rocks play by her own rules. 
I don't have to play by y'all rules just mm-hmm. because I'm um, like, I feel like the most powerful influencers are, are rule breakers. Right. You look at everybody who we admire on a, on a certain level, every last one of them from Ali to Nelson Mandela to like the list is so long. Mm-hmm. They're rule breakers. Right. They went against the grain. Mm-hmm. They wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. So yeah. how have you kind of used your influence to kind of say, you know what, I'm gonna do it my way and, <laughs> and have you, has situations, Betty Rocks, to where people have judged you for for kind of certain things in your journey, whatever that. I definitely that think so. Yeah, I I feel like I am very, uh, how can I say? Uh, I'm very strong-minded. Yeah, if that's the word. Um, when it comes to my culture, mm-hmm. I say what I feel. There we go. And at the end of the day, it doesn't always come off the right way. Mm. And it may rub a couple people the wrong way. Right. But what you're not going to do is mm-hmm. culturally appro- appropriate. There we go. Things that I've been doing since I was a child mm-hmm. and that I know comes from a culture that was built and they've built this style of dance. They've built this way of doing certain things. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, I get the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. I get... The, originate, the original street dance style of dance hall, which is what I do and okay. teach. And then I get the commercial style. Mm. And that's because I live in this entertainment world yeah. that are not going down to Jamaica, going down to Belize, going down mm. to certain countries mm-hmm. and actually training and learning the style from the originators. Gotcha. Um, what we get is people that learn from secondhand instructors. Gotcha. And... I'm one of those instructors. I mm-hmm. go learn, I go, t- uh, and then, and then I back. bring it back. Gotcha. And that's fine. There's fine. nothing Completely wrong with that. with that. Yep. Now, what you're not going to do is mm-hmm. Come on then now. take that yep. and spin that into now I am this guru of dance hall or Afro dance. Gotcha. You. you know what I got mean? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So gotcha. I've had to call out some people or even speak up on behalf of my culture several times. And people trying to like, Trying to trying to question your 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 ability to teach it is what you're saying. Like, Not so questioning, yeah. taking it and making it what they want to make of it. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Got and you. I feel like that has been something that's been going on all over the world mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the dance hall style and the style of dance uh, that originated from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So I have had to speak up, and I do feel like people judge me based on that mm-hmm. because they don't get the passion behind it. Mm-hmm. They feel like I'm being judgmental or trying to start friction or, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe just mad that I'm not the one that is in the seat or the opportunity that that I person see. is doing. Yes. That's really not it. At the end of the day, whatever is for me is for me and whatever is for that person is for that person. However, do it properly, do it right, and mm-hmm. represent our culture correctly. Yeah. And that's pretty much has always been my stance when it comes to what I do and what I speak up for. That's real. That's real. When I hear you speak, I'm thinking about you know, the level of uh, preparation that goes into being a dancer. Yeah. And it's very... And learning a style. The yeah, level of what, preparation yeah. that goes into learning and mastering a style of dance. That's a lot. Yeah. It takes time. It takes a lot of time, actually, and it takes um, consistency. Gotcha. And you can't just take one or two dance classes and feel like, okay, I look, I know how to do this. I can do a few nah. moves. I'm about to go teach so-and-so nah. how to do dance hall. No, nah. that's not how it works. Yeah. And I think that they're, they kind of... This industry 
has pretty much been doing that for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for some of the people who originated these dances, they're not getting the credit that they deserve. And so that's where us who are in the position to speak up, Mm -hmm. that's where we come in. That's real. Because we're doing, we're in a little bit of both worlds. Got you. And and you know what it takes from a cultural perspective too. Mm -hmm. So it's like, when you fly to Jamaica, when you fly to Belize, and you actually go back to the root for where these dances started, and you're mm-hmm. in the rooms and you're training with them, it's a different level of intensity opposed to somebody that's out here that just took a few classes that may think that they got it all going on yeah. because they studied a little something, something. Yeah. That's real to me. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I want to switch gears a little bit if I can. Yeah. And I want to talk about, you know, what you just went through. Okay. I want to talk about that car accident because that that is a level of testing and adversity i think that people need yeah. to hear mm-hmm. because you you are a product of somebody who didn't give up yes. you're re- you're resilient you embraced the challenge so talk a little bit about you know what you just went through i know you just got into a, a pretty bad car accident yes or, or a car a car hit i you. was yeah i was actually walking down the street when um i was hit by a car wow um i was on the sidewalk i wasn't even in like a Cross you wasn't in nobody like way. That. You I wasn't. <laughs> you just walking down the street. Yep. Out of nowhere. Walking down the street wow. and was hit by a car. Um, and originally, when it first happened to me, all I knew was that someone had hit the car that hit me and first pushed them onto the sidewalk. Mm. But once I was able to actually analyze the um, police report, um, what I did realize is that the person that hit me not only hit me, but hit a car that was parked in the parking lot of where I was hit. Wow. Um, and so the idea that I not only like was hit by a car, but possibly in between two cars or maybe wow. under a car or something, it, it, it was, it was uh, very hard to like understand yeah. that I made it out of that. Yeah. Um, my legs were engulfed in the, um, what you would call the grill of the car. Mm. And it was a truck that I was hit by. I was hit by like a, like a GMC or something in that wow. sort. So um, I just, uh, mm. it, it was a lot to take in because I didn't see it coming. I didn't see the, the car coming towards me. And when did this happen, buddy? This is, uh, one, was on August 28th. So that, it's wow, been about three months now yeah, since yeah. it happened. Got you. Wow. And um, it took me through a, a, a really interesting uh, process. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty what much it, what, what it, happened. What, so once once you got hit by the car, you get up, you have the awareness of what just happened. I didn't get up. Oh, you didn't I get was, up? My oh. feet were in the grill of the car, and I gotcha. was being consoled by a, 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 you know, a really nice person that just wanted to help until the ambulance came. Wow. But um, I, was, I had to be cut out of whatever that was that my legs were in yeah. and taken on to the... Um, was the person drinking or was he, he just texting? What he didn't see um, what's going on? Did well, you ever get the that person that initially caused the accident that hit the car that hit me, uh-huh. um, they were never tested, interesting enough, for That's any type of drugs or alcohol. Wow. And that was interesting to me because there were four cars involved, including me. Wow. So I would think that the police officer might have been a little bit more like, you know what, you caused like a little bit of yeah, a let me see what's situation going on here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me go ahead and check you out. Got but you. it was just very vague, honestly. My my police report was very like, 
kind of just like surface. Yeah, surface. They just typed it up, wrote it up, and go on. And they put that I had a broken ankle. They never followed up to see how injured I really was. That's crazy to me. Yeah. That's crazy to me. So it was it was really it taught me so much even about the law and like how Mm. they brush things under the rug because they don't feel like doing the work. That's real. We forget that these guys are employees, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they don't even want to be at work. It was like so. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. So now I think about the journey. I think about the rehabilitation journey. That's where like the inspiration is at. What was that like for you? And what kind of feedback did you get from your doctors in regards to like once you got to the hospital? Did you have any type of surgery? You know, to for your ankles uh, and for your injuries. Uh, What did that process look like? And what type of feedback did you get from your doctors? Did they tell you? You know, you'll never walk again. Do you, you'll you ain't looking too good. You know, did what, what was that? What was that process like for you? Um, my mom was there for mm-hmm. most of it, and she handled a lot of that. I feel like I was in shock for the most part, um, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really in tune with how mm-hmm. injured I was. Gotcha. Um, my mom pretty much handled a lot of the conversation as far as letting them know that I was a dancer and trying to save my ankles as much as possible. But I definitely had to have surgery right away. Um, I actually went through two surgeries within Mm. a matter of 24 hours. Wow. Um, And both of them were focused on the ankles. And Mm. um, at some point they thought they were gonna have to put like um, screws and plates in. So you didn't have to do any of that, luckily by the grace of God. And I I have to give it up to the you know the the surgeons yeah. they really worked towards trying to just make it work for my you know injury That's and a and i think because i'm a dancer it was really important that i didn't have those plates and you know you let them know that you let them know you were a dancer my mom did got you yeah got you and got you. um i think they really wanted to make that work out the best they could without having to you know put me through that love it so i that was really good um because i came out of that mm-hmm. surgery mm-hmm. and the news that i was that i received was you'll be able to dance again love it we didn't have to put plates we didn't have to put screws you just have to be Heal. very still yeah. for a very for a while <laughs> and was that different for you of, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like used to twirling around. Right, and right, right. How long were you in the Dancing and dropping it. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> Drop it low, pick it back up, turn around, do it one more time. Yeah, Understand you know, it. I was it. never still. I was always on the move. So do you think that there was like, because for me, my mind goes to a spiritual level. It mm-hmm. goes to a symbolic level. Yeah. I don't think it was a coincidence that your ankles got injured yeah i don't think it was a coincidence that it happened the way it did yeah i think it was a test to take you and your influence to a level well beyond what you can imagine because what we go through in life are literally used as testimonies for our future almost oh, to help other people yeah. so now you have a tool in your shed that's way more powerful possibly yeah. than anything that you had prior to the accident. So when you look back on it, you think, wow, that was, I'm pro-, like, I literally feel with me just sitting from you, maybe a year from now, two years from now, even less, you'll be in a position or in a platform that you wouldn't have been in if that accident would have never happened. You know what I'm saying? And you look right, back yeah. like, yo, like I'm telling this story in this way influencing thousands and thousands and thousands of people mm-hmm. but i wouldn't have been in this position unless that happened that's like where my mind goes yeah i think adversity is intentional right i think adversity is is very intentional according to our journey 
I agree. Right? And I so agree. for me, even even the idea of you having to sit down, mm-hmm. like God making you sit down, yep. like daughter, <laughs> you always moving. I gotta, yeah. I have to sit you down, yep. you know, and I think about, you know, I was just watching uh, Kevin Hart's uh, documentary earlier with my girl. Yeah. And obviously he just had his accident. Right. But I was able to look at his documentary. I don't mean to switch again. This is how my mind works. But <laughs> I'm looking at his documentary earlier, Betty Rocks, and I'm, and I'm, this dude is a move. I've never seen. Like, he, his schedule is ridiculous. Yeah. It's nonstop. I also watched the documentary. Right? His there work, we go. His work ethic, work ethic is, is insane. Yeah. He's <laughs> up 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, do a little workout. Yeah. Boom, boom. He got meetings here. He's he got very this committed to here. his career. And, nonstop. And, and I, I really um, learned a lot from listening. Yeah. Just looking, I learned a lot about him, I should say, from just yeah. looking at that. I grew a, a, another, I've always messed with Kevin Hart, not so much as an actor, but just as a personality, somebody who's inspiring. Mm-hmm. But that took my respect for him for a whole, to a whole nother level. Yeah, most but, definitely. Same right, here. I was right? like, wow. I'm like, okay, like, I respect a little yeah. dude. I know he's four feet, but he doing his thing <laughs> yes. out here. And he has a certain, he has that mindset that's needed, I think, yes. for people to be successful. And I'm glad that he's on a platform to show people that. Because yeah. like we said earlier, people feel like they can kind of tiptoe and do what they want to do and not be consistent. And it doesn't matter what level you get to, Mm -hmm. you still have to work hard because there's always someone working harder than you. Facts. So I love that he was in a position to show people how hard he's working despite how successful he is. Right. I love that. And and when he had his accident, Mm -hmm. you know, he's gone to a really, really bad car accident. Put a, a very, stop to him as well. It's, it set him down. Mm-hmm. It's set him down. Yep. It forced him to stop. Like he, his back is that he was saying his back, not in the documentary, but I've seen an interview with him when he was, you know, obviously he's been on his press tours for Jumanji. Right. So I was looking at an interview with him recently with him and Dwayne Johnson, and he was saying how that accident literally set him down. Oh, yeah. Like rehab for your back is completely different. Your back is the foundation for of your everything, body, yeah. of everything. Mm-hmm. So we, when you go from moving constantly to literally not being able to move at all, you have to look at that from a symbolic level. Because no, I'm still definitely. alive. My whole car was smushed like a damn soda can. Wow, and I'm yeah. here. Yeah. So this happened for a reason. Yep. And so I think in those times of isolation is when we have opportunities to reflect the most. Most definitely. What, what were some things for you, Betty, within those, what you said, six 60 days? How long were you in hospital? Um, it was about two and a half months before I could even go home. Wow. Because I had two broken ankles, a broken mm-hmm. wrist, mm-hmm. three broken ribs. Wow. And um, I needed 24-hour care at in the position that I was mm-hmm. in. Um, it was literally like not being able to do anything for myself for a while. Gotcha. Um, so I had to go into a facility where I was able to get care of 24-7. Mm-hmm before I could even like stand up again. Mm-hmm. And um, that was also a process. I was in cast on, mm. on all, everything except my left arm was wow. in a cast. So um, wow. you're right, it did allow me to reflect on a certain things in my mm-hmm. life and, and sit down and literally like yeah. see what was going on with right. me. And um, you talked about faith and I mean, I, I'm definitely someone that I know for a fact that my faith is what got me through this. A lot of people have said to me, wow, you've been really strong through this. And, you know, you've really taken this in a, in a different, a positive way. And I just was like, to be honest, like if God took me, allowed me to live mm-hmm. um, through something like that, mm-hmm. then I can only have faith that he's going to bring me out of it and that he has more for me in store. There we go. So um, 
there was never a, a time where I felt like, oh my God, I can't dance or mm. like I can't go out to the world and be, you know, you doing knew you whatever. Was get through it. Yeah, most Love definitely. It. It. I always from the beginning knew that I was gonna get through it and um and um I had such a great support system. Yeah. My family, my mm. mom and dad immediately and then um, my close family, my close friends, um, mm -hmm. my loved ones, the dance community, some of the entertainers that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really, really had a huge support system. Love and it. there was not a day that I didn't get a text or a call or mm. a visit or someone sending food yeah. or something just to encourage me through the process. Yeah. And not saying that I needed that, but it really, really helped oh, yeah. to know that I have people who mm -hmm. I've been an influence in their lives and now they're, you know, just here for me for whatever I need. I love it. I love it. And I think in, in even the support aspect of the rehabilitation is another sign of confirmation. Yeah. Like you're not in here alone. Yeah. I, got a, I got an army for you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To help you go through this, because I can only imagine the mental struggles, you know, opposed to the. I'm sure the physical stuff is like, man, this is painful. This right. But mentally, it's like I have to adopt a new mindset because I'm not used to sitting still. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, like, what do you feel has been the biggest change in your life since the accident from a mental perspective, from from a from a from a perspective of. What, like, do you look at life different? Do you value, you feel like you value it more? Has oh. your gratitude increased? Like, like, what has that process kind of been like for you on a mental level since you've had that um, I definitely feel like uh, my gratitude has increased. Yeah. Um, I value life uh, a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I'm now, um, I think when you're young, mm -hmm. you feel like you're a little bit of invincible. Yep. Like you have time. And mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want to do. You can drink and drive. You can text and drive. You can, uh, I don't know, just live recklessly, basically. Yeah. And depending on um, who you are, mm -hmm. sometimes you value those things and say, you know what, I need to not drink tonight. I need to make mm -hmm. sure I drive, I'm able to drive home or whatever. Yeah. I'm putting this in a perspective of cars because of yep. what I've been I love through. It. Love it. But obviously there's other things that you yes, know we could think about. But um, I say all this to say that a lot of people think they have time. And, and one thing that it helped me to realize and to try to project onto people that are around me is that we are not invincible mm -hmm. and that we do need to be aware, alert and in the moment with mm -hmm. everything that we do. Love it. Um, because I do think that um, there are moments where God is trying to speak to us mm -hmm. about things. Yeah. And because we are so engulfed in our lifestyle and what we have going on, mm -hmm. we tend to kind of ignore the signs, the, the, That's the and ignore the things that he's trying to show us. Mm -hmm. um, because we feel like this life is ours. Yeah. We want to do what we want to do. That's real. And at the end of the day, that really woke me up. And like, even though I know that I have faith in God and yeah. all this, you still sometimes feel like, well, I want to do this, so I'm going to do it. And at the end of the day, God is like, this is not your life, sis. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, yeah. I put you into this journey yeah. and I'm, I'm trying to help you get where you got to go. But you got to listen. You got to focus. You got to hear yeah. what I have to say. 
And if you're too busy being you, come on, then you'll forget what I have for you. You'll forget this whole journey to yeah. begin with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I feel like that really, really is what I learned the most from this whole thing is that this is not you, right? And you need to literally think and pray about everything that you do. Yeah. Um, no matter how strongly you feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and about this being something that I want to do. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so it's it's taught me a lot. And it also, just aside from the faith part, yeah. it taught me a lot about how as human beings and we don't have those uncomfortable conversations with our families mm-hmm. about what happens if something happens to me. That's real. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody doesn't want to talk about death mm-hmm. because that's something that you don't really want to have to face. Right. But I had never had a conversation, had something, had my life been taken that day. I had never had a conversation with my yeah. family and, and said, you start thinking about that. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was something else that opened my eyes is that like you need to be prepared just as much as you have to be prepared for everything else that's real for that day and i definitely have always had life insurance my mom has had life insurance on us since we were kids and then i took it over as an adult but there's more to more to it you know there's that situation where if you are um not in a position to speak for yourself Mm-hmm. Who makes the decisions Got for you? you? Got you. Um, if something That's happens real. to you, do yeah. you want to be cremated? Do you want to have a funeral? Right, like, right, right. And no one in my family knew that I would have preferred to be cremated. Got you know, you. just stuff like that, where there's certain things that in conversations that we avoid mm-hmm. that we should really be ha- having no matter how young we are. That's real. I think those uncomfortable conversations are definitely needed. I'm very, very happy that you said that yeah. because that is something that people need to hear. And but most importantly, that's something that we need to take serious as a people. Yeah, I've, I wasn't grow, I didn't grow up in that type of environment to where those conversations were had. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to in, in, inspire and uh, influence people to to really take that serious. Yeah, I wanna, same here. Yeah. I just feel like that's something that I want to do from here on out is yeah. inspiring people to not only have life insurance, but have, you know, a DNR in place and yeah. have certain things in place. If you have assets, have a, a living will and a, and a death will, like, you know, there's right. certain things that they should, that we all should be thinking about that we're not thinking about. Right. And our generation is dying younger. I mean, honestly, sure. um, I have grandparents that are like in their nineties and mm-hmm. I have friends that have passed away before 30. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like we're not invincible. That's real. Like I said earlier, we yeah. have to be prepared. And conditions environmentally seem to be getting worse. Oh yeah. Um, diseases are getting worse. Um, yep. you know, and, and so I think absolutely we should be prepared mm-hmm. for, for all things and, and understand the importance of insurance because we insure our cars, we put, we insure everything we insure else, our houses, <laughs> we insure our cell phones. Yeah. We literally insure everything but our lives. Yes. And so and that's some people do important. not even yeah. think about life insurance. And I'm guilty of it. I'm going to be completely open and transparent. I've never even like considered it. I've never mm. even. So this conversation was needed for me. I'm just being open and honest, like, you know, and I think a lot of people are like me as well, to where it's like, I've never even had a conversation about it. Yeah. To be honest, I've never even had a conversation about the importance of, yo, if you leave, you, how, what position is your daughter going to be in? Yeah. What position is your family going to be in? Right. You know and who's I mean? responsible? And who's responsible? Who's because the one? Because yeah. an average funeral is like $10,000 or real, more. Real, real. 
people have to raise money because yeah. they're not prepared for that. Real, real. So That's real. It's definitely you know a conversation that needs to be had, and Facts. it's good to even if I just you know inspire you. For sure, you <laughs> That's absolutely one person did. That you absolutely <laughs> did a thousand percent. I mean that too. Yeah. So Betty Rocks, I think you know ending off on on that note is great. Because that is probably the most important thing that we've talked about. <laughs> Obviously, we've talked about a multitude of different things, but that's very, very important. So I think we'll leave it there. Okay. Um, how we end off each episode, though, Betty Rocks, and I like to put people on the spot intentionally oh, because I love to keep my guests and people in general on their toes. They okay. say you got to stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. That's you know, true. so what I like to do. And what we do here at Unselfish Behavior Podcast is at the end of each episode, we allow our guests to look at this camera right here, which is mm -hmm. your camera. That's right for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to look at that camera. You're going to end off what we call here an unselfish message. Okay. This unselfish message is straight from Betty Rocks. Oh, God. And it's centered around <laughs> absolutely anything that you want to leave the audience with. It could be around any topic. It could be anything from the interview, anything, any moral or value that you stand on in life. Okay. You don't want them to forget this thing. So, okay. Betty Rocks, this is your time to holler at the people and give them your unselfish message. You'll look at that camera right there. Okay. <laughs> All righty, everyone. My unselfish, um, what is it called? Message. message. Yep. Unself unselfish <laughs> message. I drew a blank that quick. Yeah. <laughs> it's all My good. unselfish message is to live your life and live it in the moment um, to value the closest people that you have around you and to work for whatever it is that you want to do. Um, if it's something that you're doing that you don't enjoy, find a way to get out of it and get into doing what you love and really, really work hard towards it. And that is my message. I love it. And you know, on that note, we're going to end it off. Miss Betty Rocks, it has been an absolute Thank pleasure. You. Thank you so much. Thanks You're for awesome. Having me. Thank you for coming. You are resilient. You are powerful. You are influencing a lot of people through your journey. And I think that God has a lot of amazing things planned for you for 2020. So we're we looking forward to keeping up with you. Thank and most you. importantly, having you in the seat again at some point yes. next year. You are awesome. So with that being said, you know I could not experience success by myself, especially with this podcast. You got to right. understand a team. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm so grateful because my team is what we call here the shit. You know, I'm not sure if you've ever been aware of that, but my team is the shit. So we always, we don't end off no episode without shouting out my brother in the back. That's B Visuals. Yes. Without shouting out my queen, one of the editorial, uh, you know, what, what we call it? We call her the editorial guru. Yes. You know what I'm saying? One she of over the there doing her gurus, thing. You know, of Unselfish <laughs> Behavior Podcast. And she she's always willing to put on a multitude of different hats. So I'm grateful for B Visuals and Simone. Thank With you. that being said, thank you, Betty Rocks. Thank again, you. for coming to the home of the number one one podcast in all of LA y'all gotta understand <laughs> that is what it is and with that being said that is a wrap we out yo what's going on it's your main man King Q if you like that episode be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel like and leave a comment and also if you want to follow the movement be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at unselfish behavior podcast and as you know we out